Sacrifice. Approach. Rewards. Talk shit to fucking win. Machination Log 003. Smash 4, right guys? Competition. Shit. Enough about losing. Let's talk about how we get to winning. Hey let's guys. Talk, let's talk about a 50-50 shot. <laughs> Welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast, what will probably be Machination Log 2. I shouldn't even say which one it's going to be, because I have no idea anymore, especially not after... Uh... Just do a crude I mean, edit. you yes. can do the overhead David thing. This is Machination Log... You know, wait a second, and then well, have no, the overhead David. Well, but the that's number. the thing. I say it in during the intro music now, so oh, I don't even true. need you're to right, do that. Right. I can just yeah. say, "Welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast." Well, just cut the one that you say in the echo chamber <laughs> over whatever you say now. I kind of do that with the other one oh, really? in the TLDR <laughs> section. Right I don't on. know if anyone here has been to ActualGarbage.net and reviewed the Martian as we did, but uh, we introduced the TLDR section, which will be part of this cast as well, if I remember the section, because... I did like that, yeah. Because, you know, the audience doesn't... Modern audiences don't have time for words, so instead what we work with now is in the 15-second intro, we're just going to splice in a virtually non-apropos comment about what we talked about, just one after another, just, like... Five words maximum. And you just go between time. each person. And I think we need, we gotta cut down on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Solid. But regardless, we're here to talk about competition because unfortunately, the last time we tried to talk about competition with Javier Remy, who is still in the room, yep. may as well introduce everybody else Alberto Remy and Hello. Dylan George Wang. are all here. Um, I was at a Smash tournament, which was a surreal experience that uh, I had not actually had up to this point, despite knowing a billion people who had been infected with the tournament bug. The FIFA. It, yeah. just, it just never happened. I'll and throw in the history real quick. I've been playing Smash competitively since uh, March of 2006, uh, and I lived with David for two or three years. Yeah. And he just never been to a tournament. Yeah, it just, <laughs> you know, funny, it just never, it never Never got around to it, but uh, I finally did, and that all paid off because after spending an hour attempting to park at the Artagon and not figuring it out, I then oh, met the with Hov. What? Yeah, yeah the Hudson Monsters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's... That's a nice venue. It is. It's, yeah. There's a lot of space. That place. <laughs> uh, that place is starting to pull around. I'm yeah. Really proud. Oh yeah. Yeah, but the um, I went over there. There were a lot of very tiny televisions, and that the experience looked pretty much exactly like it had been described to me. So it wasn't terribly surprising. But there was still plenty to talk about, given that I'm normally incredibly disparaging of the tournament scene in almost all of its forms. So talking to Hav about it was you fun mean enough. Video games or just just period? You don't like bowling tournaments? That was the worst counterexample you could have picked. <laughs> it's a strange what? choice, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like I, I really like <laughs> the atmosphere of a bowling alley. So, do you like the atmosphere of the bowling alley as a fight to see who's the best? Or do you like it because it reminds you of the Big Lebowski? Or, yeah. yeah or, does it, or does it remind you of that one guy who was accidentally mic'd after he won? I can just pipe that in. But the um, 
No, you can't take bowling seriously. No, I mean, you can take anything seriously. That's, I mean, that's almost going to be the basis of this conversation in the first place. People taking stuff too seriously? Well, people taking stuff seriously. No, just seriously, period. And that, you know, actual garbage is an attempt to maybe try to be slightly more open-minded about the idea of that, given that I complain all the time about other people complaining when I care about things. So... I'm basically just bringing it around to an attempt to realize for both myself and everyone listening that, you know, caring is probably a sensible thing to do in most endeavors. Uh, And unfortunately, the first time we tried to do that, I was using a new recorder and put it in a shirt pocket in an incredibly hard-floored, hard-walled facility where most of the sound just echoed rather than came into the recorder. So, though we could... We could stitch parts of that conversation back in, and I may try. Uh, we're here to give it a second shot right. in a uh, more controlled environment. A better shot. If you would like the police evidence <laughs> version of this podcast. Too fucking bad, I'm <laughs> press, not putting it up. Press one if you want to hear the podcast. <laughs> so I think a fun way to start this would be um, kind of introduce ourselves in the, the realm of competition, like our experience with it, what we liked about it and didn't like about it, and then we'll go into Rated more about it later. One to five. Well... <laughs> One to five always. Dylan, what you got? Um, I guess, I mean, the two things that I'm most involved with were art and video games. Um, in terms of video games, the most competitive thing I've played is Dota, and recently I've waned off of that. Basically, I haven't played in a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking that game seriously is stressful in a very unfun way. And in art, it becomes such a personal component that... I mean, I don't know that I truly enjoy competition. Uh, That's, I mean, it's definitely only for some people. Yeah. Some people really love it and relish in it, and some people are, it's just too much stress. It's not worth it. Because when you put that much of yourself into something, it's hard to remove the personality from it. You can't kind of disassociate the action to you. Mm-hmm. It's a very personal experience, and especially with art. Right, which um, is already a personal experience to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's an expression of how you feel or think. Precisely. So to compare that up against other, like, you are just measuring souls at that point. Yeah. Uh, so there, there is an objective route to take with certain art in terms of accomplishing a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much in the interim that it's almost impossible to weigh things against each other. Right. And similarly, when we try to, like, review or compare video games... Comparing MGS five to Undertale is where do you where do you start with apples that? Apples to oranges. Yeah, it's apples to oranges. Um, so <laughs> the things that I've involved myself with competition usually have that aspect to them, mm-hmm. and that's kind of removed me from them. Right, that's fair, David. Oh, we're going counterclockwise. I see how it is. I feel like I've spent the most time actually in a competitive scene of the people here. Boom! Oh wow, okay. Actively, yeah. I am not even about to attempt. <laughs> that's what I figure. <laughs> to combat that charge. No, um, because I spend a hell of a lot of time in my own head as a megalomaniac, I do what I can to not ever be deliberately competitive in the real world. Not in any structured sense. Like, I play board games, sure. Right. But Try I, to win in micro scales. But... Yeah, and that's that's fine. But even on that particular level, there is there is a creepiness to competition that way that I am not a fan of because, at least in my own head, and it seems to be a thing that a lot of other people can relate to, 
is there's just there's a gnawing there's a gnawing prideful side to knowing that you're the best or knowing that you're trying to be the best that ends up just weighing down on experiences in a way that I, yeah. I just don't find to be worth the I don't think it's worth the extra skin in the game you know like people yeah. who insist on playing poker with real money mm-hmm I don't like that at all. In anything less than a like pure gambling sense, because I'm sure there's plenty of rich people who like playing it for money because it's fun. Well, and because it doesn't matter to them. The right. So it's basically suddenly... not money. You're right. Yeah, Never it's, mind. The stakes are back down to zero. Yeah. It's just it, there's that introduces a level of tension to what's going on in a shared experience that I think denigrates it in a way that is now. And again, as I said right up front, I understand the surface. Of, shut up. I understand the surface appeal quite strongly. But I feel like it's a facade that's not worth maintaining in almost any arena. Now, granted, okay. I'm not Federer, so there are right. a couple of... Again, like, like I mentioned to Dylan, it's, some people really have it in them yeah. and some people don't. People don't want to play... I mean, in competition, you're gambling with pride. Right, at the very least. That's, that's the sole motivator is how people perceive... It's not just how you perceive you... It is how other people see you. You're oh, yeah. Your reputation is a large part of the reason you're competing. Yeah, in the you're, first you're place. throwing yourself up in front of the world. I'm much, I'm much more comfortable with pride than money going up in that particular debate, if only because pride has a self-regulator. If you are competing for money, you can sacrifice pride to be an asshole, <laughs> which you cannot do right. in a normal tournament set. Like you can do things in the meta of a game, in particular in video games where you are sitting next to the person you are. Ne- you can do a lot of shit talking. You can um, rules I, lawyering and anything. Yeah, that you can do capacity. any of that kind of nonsense. And if you win that way, and there's nothing else at stake except for getting first place, that's sort of self-correcting right, in a way yeah. that I'm okay with. Um, yeah. But even that You're really ends just up learning about the person in the first place. Yeah, exactly, and that that ends up being a slippery slope in and of, of itself. But I, that's basically where I stand on it. I have no tournament experience to speak of. I just don't. I, I deliberately try to avoid those those kinds of things. Right, right. A good example would probably be the current uh, Ronda Rousey loss. I mean, she was top female UFC and apparently hadn't lost before. Got knocked down, and nobody wants to see her rise back up. <laughs> at least, at least, if you have like a sense of humility, you know, there's an underdog sense to you that well, other people can motivate you to ascend. Well, to, and she like, was a top spot. Uh, for what it was worth, she's a nuanced case because she was playing up that theatricality on purpose. Yeah. That was th- she was yeah. building that persona. Absolutely. She wanted to be a heel because there's yeah. there's money in being a heel. That is true. I there's there are other reasons to do yeah, something. Well, like winning that. is nice, but having a personality when you win is so much more captivating. Like being charismatic and winning. Is so much more cares so much more interesting than just winning. Like yeah. some people just win, they hold the trophy, and that's it. Yeah. But the characters that can like you know build rivalries, even if there's like there's no real animosity, just like sh- it's like wrestling. I don't know how it much makes, wrestlers it actually makes hate each watching. other. And it's so much more interesting. Well, it almost becomes more of a story at that point. Exactly. And then I mean, that's what's what, more interesting than watching a hero fall. Yeah, I mean, WWE wrestling has completely transitioned into the spectacle yeah, of, the, of the yeah. tale, which. I'm still kind of fucking on board with. Like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, if the story was any good, yes. Right. But or if it's it dumb enough. <laughs> Do you think that idea of it like becoming more and people focusing more on it becoming more of a story takes away from it like takes away from the benefit of it being a competition? Like, is it being done as much for the sake of competition, or is it done more in, wi- more in which arena? Like, I think it uses like a, it as like a what? backdrop because right. in wrestling, that's all there is because mm-hmm. it's all staged. In other things. Um, 
it kind of depends on who you are. As an audience member, the competition isn't as interesting as, as the story is. As a player, the, the story is way less interesting than the competition, depending on the aspect that you're coming from. And mm. real quick, I apologize. Uh, kiddo, you didn't introduce your competition sense. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, actually, I'm, I've been a debater since my sophomore year, which is about two years ago. That's actually the reason why I decided to choose this topic of competition. is because That math checks out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know if they know where I am now. <laughs> I think you've mentioned you were a senior in high school. Don't yeah. know if they listened to that podcast. Yeah, Fair. you brought that up. Yeah, but, if you didn't know that, you should go back and listen to Machination Log 008, because I know which one that one is. Right. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's why I chose this topic, is and specifically because I happen to have a debate tournament this week, and I'm going to a national debate tournament in Princeton, so I thought this would be a good time to talk about that, because this is when this is when I see a lot of like shifts in how people act, not just on my team, but when I get there, I'm going to see how, they, how a lot of people act very differently from how I usually see them in like mm-hmm. lower stakes competitions and stuff like that. Yeah, I've been debating for a couple of years, and I've. I really like, ter- I really like tournaments a lot, and I really like traveling for them, and my biggest problem is a lot of the people that go there because they kind of ruin it for me just with their personalities, and uh, like, what I kind th- of personality? Just like. Are they being jerks? Yeah, they're they're being jerks, but in what a way that. What flavor of jerks? <laughs> Ugh, like does it have anything Brussels to, sprouts and does cigarettes. it have anything to do with the competition <laughs> in the first place, or is it just their natural personality? I, I think for a lot of them it is the competition, and so that's like a thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is how competition sort of changes people and how they actually act. Oh, the, yeah. So the mentality behind competing. Yeah, because yeah, I, like, I had three okay. three key takeaways. It's kind of like what you the mentality that you need to go into competition, the what you're trying to get out of it, and the sacrifices you make in competition. I think are three important points to hit. So, yeah, so I think that's that's all really interesting stuff, and in that I see. I see a lot of people that I will end up, like, seeing at tournaments going against even, like, my classmates, my um, debate team mates, teammates, yeah. Teammates. And, like, in much lower stakes areas, they're way nicer and, like, way more tolerable than they become just at tournaments. Not even competing against me, not even when we're in a round going at each other. Like, it's just being at that scene really turns them into just assholes all of a sudden. And I really think... It's interesting because there are a lot of people who do do that, and there's people who just don't. And I think that might also depend on where they're, why they're actually there, and what they're trying to go do for. Do you right. see seeds of that type of personality or mentality in them, just in other aspects besides competition? Like, if um, do they show impatience waiting in a line, or what's what do you think the psychology behind those kind of people are? I think I think it's a sort of like arrogance that a lot of them have because that's that's kind of more of the type of like rudeness that I see in them in those tournaments and I think it might have a lot to do with the sort of arrogance and where they come from and stuff like that and how much I guess they can put into it how much how much in some cases for like particular kids in particular schools how much they can afford to put into it but I mean I think Dylan's point was and granted, this, this sort of falls in. How much competition do these people need? How many drops of competition have to be in their blood before they enter into this zone of reproach for you? How they went, how, how, what do they get? Do they, do they have to be at a national tournament for that? Some do, not all of them. Some <laughs> of them can just be at like a local tournament where the thing you get is a trophy that's like. Or at lunch, some, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, size of, the size of a glass, basically. Like some people, some people find competition in everything they do, and this goes to the, the somewhat. Uh, the it, it's too. not arrogance. You you mentioned something else. It's the um, it's like narcissistic personality disorder. It's the people that need other people to know that they're good at something. 
Um, that as is... kind of a validation to themselves. Yeah, if I can remember your description. We can, well, if there's a more appropriate one, I'll edit that Right, in, yeah, it's but... the people who really want to want other people to see them at the top, whether that's during a debate at lunch, whether it's during a local debate tournament at school, or if it's at a national, like, they want others to see them succeed. They want others to see them as able as able and capable and prominent and dominant. I, that is where the narcissistic side of it certainly can come in. is Because mm-hmm. uh, most people, I would say all people, have a feeling that, have a need for a feeling of validation from others. That's, mm-hmm. that's just a, that's a pretty innately human thing. But there is... There's another level where you need that validation more consistently because you are consistently self-evaluating so low that you can't you can't generate your own self-esteem. You have no bar for the standard of how you should act. Um, The interesting part about competition for that is that you're kind of trying to heighten yourself. You're trying to find that validation, but it's at the expense of others. It's not just letting other people know that you're good at something. It's they just, have to know yeah. you're better than somebody you're, else. You're thwarting the cooperative character. Exactly. You're not just, you know, generally good at something. It's not just showing a juggling trick. It's showing that your juggling trick is better than the next guy's. Uh, the person who I was most recently dating said that they were put into child pageants um, mm. through most of their young mm-hmm. life. And now um, I've been able to compare it to an article I read on uh, gaslighting personalities. and um, apparent- Gaslighting? Huh? Gaslighting? Yeah. No, no, no. Explain uh, what, what gaslighting is. is. Um, it's... I'm going to have to source back to this somehow. Um, this is probably going to be a terrible explanation. <laughs> I think it's just a buzzword, but uh, there are certain personality aspects that we've seen in children growing up that induce anxiety disorders about self-analysis, uh, and it's usually from uh, parental interactions based on um, affection and neglect, uh, expectation and uh, shifting in behaviors, Mm -hmm. Um, inconsistencies in parental behaviors or contradictory parental behaviors have built up anxieties within children. And there's one where uh, expecting the perfect family or competing in competition breeds this mentality that not only can they not establish where they stand for themselves emotionally, but in a stronger sense, they don't know what is real. They have trouble establishing that anything has solid ground. Mm-hmm. Everything, like everything real affection, is because it can be taken away if you don't do well enough in something. Yeah, like the baseline is zero, and if nothing's thrown at you, there is nothing to have. Right. And if you're working in a purely competitive world, or not in a competitive, but if you're working in a comparative world, your comparison can be thrown off by any new variable that comes your way. Yeah you can become old news pretty rapidly. Yeah, uh, the person I was dating would occasionally have um, upsets where they would just break down and go, I don't even know if I'm real. I don't know if you're real. Why am I, like, why is anything happening? They they couldn't reason existence because... Like there wasn't, there wasn't a cause. There, so there's, there no no base, there's no base relativity to, you know, anything being around. Wow. So there's certainly no base relativity. Too. That's for sure. Yeah, that's harsh. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. There's no drawing point, and mm-hmm. without competition, they resort back to that, you know, struggling point. Uh, and I feel like that's probably where a lot of narcissistic personality disorders uh, tend to come from. Is there's no, they they don't have anything to base on. They don't have a home, right, in their head. Home plate. No, if you don't weird. reach home plate in a home run, you're a failure. 
Well, it's a Damn. it's a really dangerous road in both directions. Actually, I always find I've always found it a little peculiar that the uh, that the refrain for healthy uh, for a healthy mind space when it comes to self evaluation is to not compare yourself to other people. Uh, except that if you just compare yourself to you, every time you fall off that wagon, you're completely fucked. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I've never I've never seen that as an intelligent way to assess things. Yeah. No. Because when you disappoint yourself. Where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's, it's you very have hard to move forward. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the difficult part is yeah. the mentality that once you've fallen down, you can't move forward and people need to realize that no one's moving forward all the time. It's okay to, to fall back. Yeah, but that's, that assumes that you are then looking at other people. This is where you, you have to somehow break away from that because if you're, if you're saying it's okay because everybody screws up. Mm-hmm. You're you, and if we're talking about a gaslighting situation where your parents have instilled either some form of perfectionism or some form of just generally non-real assumption about the way the world works. Right. Or if you see contradictory behaviors where somebody praises you for one thing and another condemns you for it. Right. So, yeah. say you go into a competition where, you know, maybe you played a little dirty or, you know, your parent rewards you of, yeah, you did what you had to do to win. But then behind your back, like, yeah, and he's such a cheater, too, right? Yeah, your like, peers aren't looking they, up to you. Yeah, the, they get... That's uh, been present in a lot of, um, you know, animated films where somebody will be like, yeah, I did it, and then they will get no affection because it was at the expense of someone, mm-hmm. and they're confused. They I was have, actually just they thinking have of, no idea what's going on. I was thinking of Cars when you mentioned that. One, yeah. of, one of the last scenes is when oh, yeah, Lightning right. McQueen, you know, doesn't win the race so he can help the other car move forward, and it's like... One guy wins even though he ignored the guy, and, you know, they throw the trophy at him and ignore him. But the more interesting thing yeah. is, is the sacrifice that the other character made. And that's, that's, it's, that goes down to what I mentioned in what are you trying to get out of your competition. And a lot of it is, some of it is proving that you're the best, but some of it is just seeing improvement in yourself. Like, there's an aspect of yourself, and then I'm, I'm just going to borrow Melee for this one because it's, frankly, the thing that I mean, I'm it's what you're most familiar with. It's yeah, a good way to introduce yourself. I've, yeah, I've been playing Melee competitively. My first tournament was March 2006, which is, what, nine and a half years ago now? Before that, I was in Quiz Bowl all four years of high school. Um, I've played Magic the Gathering competitive for two or three years. I like competition. There's a lot of fun to it. It's very stimulating. But sometimes... When you're trying to improve yourself, you find something, there's there's just an aspect, and at first it usually starts with something superficial, like, man, my buddy beat me. I used to be the best in the living room. So you try to kind of move up from there. And then there comes a point where there's, when you realize how big the ocean is, you know, when you were the biggest fish in the pond and then you, you look into the ocean, sometimes it's unrealistic to just try to be the best at first. So you try to just start improving. You're like, okay, I see that I was underperforming in this and I'd like to do better just because you don't, you want to see yourself move forward. It's really gratifying to see yourself succeed. Even if you're not Absolutely. beating more people or winning more, just like seeing that you're not messing something up, seeing that you nailed that juggling trick to not is stagnate. so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then once you find, once you've nailed that thing, once you've got juggling down, you're like, hey, maybe I can juggle, you know, sticks instead of balls. So you, like, kind of move the bar up a little bit. Hav is not talking about actual physical juggling here. He's talking about a fighting game term. Oh, <laughs> I actually was thinking of juggling before, but... <laughs> well, that makes this even more confusing. <laughs> As you had mentioned before um, on a previous podcast... David. Previously. Uh, Jay Leno had a saying about finding the room yeah. that'll laugh. I feel like that could probably uh, be associated to that in the... Uh, if you become the best at what 
you're trying to do. If you're the best melee player in your town, mm-hmm. and you don't check if you're the next best in the next town or in the state, in the world, right? that's when being the best stops being rewarding. Right. When you start and, to stagnate. So that, seeing any progress... That depends on what you're going for. Yeah. Because there are the people who become the best in the living room. And they're like, well, you know, I'm the best in my... Was it al- pre-algebra or, honors class? Yeah, it's algebra <laughs> honors class. So you want to find out how you are compared to the school. And some people just, like, keep going forward. Some people just... They see the next level and they don't think it's that far away. Whether it is or isn't, it mm. doesn't matter because they don't think it is. Well, I mean, at that point, we've got a bifurcation in what competition... I, I think right, exactly. there, are, there are plenty of places you can... There are plenty of cubby holes to put people in, and the two that we have there are the person who is looking for truth and the person who is looking for comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, because the person who is looking for comfort is perfectly fine being the best Mario Kart player in his house. Mm-hmm. But that person may not be satisfied with that achievement, and the only reason they're the best in the house is because they're just trying to be the best, period. Yeah. Um, and the right. house is all they've worked with so mm-hmm. far. Yeah, that's, that's when you have the difference between, you know, I want to be the, get, the best Bowser in the world. And then you have, you know, Mango and Leffen and Armada and Smash Brothers who are the best in the world and no one knows who's actually the best. Because they keep competing and hearing them talk to each other, they each think they're the best and it's spectacular to listen to. Because they're like, yeah, you're pretty good at this, but I'm pretty sure I'm better overall. And then they all have the results to prove it. There's enough national, you know, $10,000 a year tournaments, you know, shout outs to Hungrybox, just having one dream hack. $10,000 check for having one dream hack. Like, there's, there's stuff in there. There's... Jargon. <laughs> yeah. There, there's money to be won. Big tournament in Europe, I apologize. DreamHack is one of the bigger... Um, used to be um, like computer game competitions, and it was predominantly European, and we had a couple American players go there recently. And one of our local guys um, from Orlando oh, wow. actually won that, so that was pretty hype. That's pretty, pretty exciting. Yep. Um, so you had mentioned uh, taking the next step into the big pond and seeing it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see where some people would view it as, you know, started, so you feel like you're starting at the top and you really get shown back where you place, mm-hmm. and seeing that gap, um, I think that with the mentality of truly enjoying a good game, mm-hmm. like the actual competition at hand, mm-hmm. and having a full investment in that as opposed to self-evaluation, mm-hmm. um, maybe they have some other thing that helps validify who they are. To have it as a truly recreational thing, I think I understand that. Um, If I played, you know, Dota and respected the game, you know, and the people who played it, Mm -hmm. to excel in that, to be better at the thing that I admire being the game, not my standing within it, I think is the most healthy way to go into competition as a mentality. The problem that we've seen or at least that we've talked about so far though is the self-evaluation the ego aspect of competition yeah Yeah. but but that's where i was that's where i was going with the idea of self-evaluation not necessarily working is that i mean hov's relationship to competition seems at least partly healthy it's it doesn't you don't appear to beat yourself up all that often. Um, I definitely prefer to win than lose, but if there's a moment that I lose, um, sometimes I understand. It's like, okay, I'm not going to beat the best player in the state every time. Or even if I lose to someone who I'd been beating before, I'm like, wow, that's surprising. I'll usually be taken aback. I'll usually be taken aback and might even hit the lab afterwards. I'm like, man, how did this person who I was ahead of suddenly get ahead of me? But yeah, I, I, can it, ap- I can appreciate losing. But it's fine. If I you, if you lose it. a good game, 
does it, you know. That's my favorite. I usually yeah. hug the guy afterwards. Yeah. I Even mean, though, like, they might not be into hugs. I'm usually like, damn, yeah. that was a hell of a good game. I appreciate that. Yeah. Fuck those people. Like, <laughs> winning a 2-0 is cool. Losing an 0-2 sucks. When you finally win the 2-1 or you lose the 1-2. I'm going to annotate the shit out of this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> two, two no, 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 no. I will, I will throw in. I'll do the editing. <laughs> Got it. The first one that's going to need a video. So, yeah. Diagrams. <laughs> Diagrams. Yeah, when Links. you win the close match, it's so much more interesting because it's like, this is the person who I should have been challenged against. This is my peer. This is the one that's testing me and everything I know because it's not someone who's obviously better, who was the favorite by a long shot. It's and both someone... of you have become a component of what the game should be. Right, we've exactly. Made the, we've made the game good. To some extent, you are you know, a great example of whatever your character is doing and you're trying to test it against someone else. What do you think can contribute to like... Like, like I know people personally... My my most disappointing losses for me that I've had, especially in like you know, especially in like um, breaking rounds like the quarterfinals and stuff of like national debate tournaments. Right. There's, when, when there's usually you a few you get judges to day two or not, right? Yeah, exactly. But no, it's not even that. It's just like in one round where there's like three judges. The most frustrating loss for me is when my opponent wins with two judges saying for him and only one says for me. Mm-hmm. And like I know other people who say that it's more frustrating for them when they get zero votes from the three different judges. And so I'm like, and so I'm not really sure what. It sounds like you want idea. truth, Alberto. <laughs> you don't sound like a comfort guy. You sound like a truth well, guy. Well, on the one hand, debate has a lot more. I feel like it has a lot more time investment than melee. Uh, melee around usually takes about fifteen to twenty minutes, depending on how fast or slow your characters are. It's probably even less for some of the faster characters. It's like forty-five. Minutes Whereas a debate mat round can take forty-five minutes. So there's like, this huge mm-hmm. investment, and then afterwards, it's like. There's and also it's a lot more subjective in 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 melee you can see the mistakes that you make well, yeah you need and you can see what like there's there's gradations there's a too. computer yeah there's there's, there's a, a judge there before you. yeah there's there's stocks really you're like seeing your life count go down so as you're seeing you know yours go down faster than your opponent you can like point out specifically mistakes in debate it's at least a little bit subjective and you don't get to yeah. see you only get to see the final score there's there's a lot of moments where that's why we need to introduce can, the triangle man <laughs> where you can look at like a debate round and certain things going on. And think like, dang, like my opponent is definitely winning on this and this, and like this could be really dangerous for me. And then once you get like, and then it's totally different from what the judge might actually say. That's like, I wasn't even paying attention to that. And so it's so it's so mm-hmm. ridiculously based on whoever is actually looking at the round, which is really interesting because like every judge has their things, and sometimes you think something's really important, and the judge pays no attention to it. Do you have a uh, Do you have any other form of competitive experience outside of debate? Not like, not really competing against other, not competing actively against. You did other swimming people. for about a year. Oh yeah, that's like, right. Even that's that's competition. Oh yeah, that's right. I did that. <laughs> or a way to stay alive in water. <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. Well, the swimming that I was talking about. <laughs> I knew how to survive in water. You need to survive among sharks. Exactly. Damn. <laughs> I'm just trying I feel to like think. That's a good al- analogy for competition. <laughs> for sharks, You're a lion huh? in a field of lions. No, they just literally push sharks. A lion in a field of sharks. That's way scary. A lion in sharks' clothing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to think, because using the two cubby holes we've got, you should be fine winning, because winning's winning. Mm-hmm. But you're not. You would rather win decisively, because then it doesn't feel... That, that feels more genuine. I think he was talking about losing. Yeah, I was saying... Like, no, but either way... You would rather lose decisively than... Oh, are you kidding me? I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather get all three votes from the three judges. Are you kidding me? That sounds way better than just winning two to one. <laughs> well, that's that's what I mean. And the, the fact that you're frustrated by a potential indecision or just static, potentially, mm-hmm. f- fate coming into play sounds like it's the frustrating part to you. 
and I'm, I'm trying to determine whether or not there's a differentiator between the mere truth seeker, the person who is trying to determine who, who is the best, so, and if there's, if there's another subset using, there. using competition as a measurement. If for, I can, yeah. if I can interject, I think part of that is the uh, kind of like the blame syndrome in some things, in stuff like tennis or or smash. Like it is literally just you and your opponent in in debate. It's so much more subjective. It's you and your opponent. But then there's someone, there's a judge. Like, yeah. even if, you're, if your opponent did better than you, then hopefully everyone sees that. If you did better than your opponent, hopefully everyone sees that. But when it becomes to the middle ground, and especially in that 2-1 where you're like, one guy thinks your opponent did way better, the other guy thinks you did way better, and the last guy, like, maybe wasn't paying attention, but he has to pick a side. So that's, like, you can almost reason that. Like, you have someone to blame. Yeah. Like, one of these guys didn't know what he was talking about. No, absolutely. Like, I obviously that's... bodied this person, but this guy wasn't paying attention. And that's so rough to see. Sure. But that's actually, that's the one bit of competitive, I won't call it necessarily tournament experience, but it, it relates to the one, the one game that I still play on and almost, I, st I play it irregularly now, but um, I'm a big fan of Company of Heroes mm -hmm. for this exact chaos. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of people like StarCraft because oh, it's game. a strategy game about rather perfect execution and macro and creative devious strategies and i can appreciate that mm -hmm. it's about playing a piano perfectly against somebody else <laughs> against another it? perfect piano yeah it's just Penis. whoever misses the first key loses well, there's there's, there's definitely and, some micro and there's a hell of a lot on. of but there's a hell of a lot of creativity that goes into it and i'm not disparaging that at all but it's got nothing <laughs> on the fucking Chaos, Chaos is the bullshit. only word I can think of. <laughs> of Company of Heroes. In Company of Heroes, you are in control of a World War II squad and a couple tanks, and your tanks can, like, miss, <laughs> and your grenades can, like, accidentally just happen to not kill anybody or happen to kill everybody. Mm -hmm. And the way that you have to deal with that is exactly what I think is exhilarating about that game. No one, I mean, on average... I am somewhere in a continuum where it, just like in baseball, you know, if you played out seven games, maybe we could figure out which of the two of us mm -hmm. is the better Company of Heroes player at a particular tier. But you cannot tell from any one game of Company of Heroes who the best player is because there's just too much nonsense. Right. And I love... <laughs> well, it shows who can adapt. <laughs> and I love the organic character of that. I think it makes the game way more interesting because mm. you can go back and say, oh, well, I should have done this and should have done this and should have done this. But there's a fuzziness to it. There's an acknowledgement of risk. You're in the moment, and it and because you have to be that in the moment, it's it's kind of a it's a semi paradoxical thing where you are forced to let go a little bit because you just can't. There are so few sure things in that game. Which probably ties into like your your thing that you said you weren't really you don't really like competition as much, and so it's like it's not about necessarily just being better in every single regard because there is this level of like like you said fuzziness that allows for a bit of a bit of movement there sometimes you got to pray to rng Jesus. it's you know? sometimes yeah, yeah sometimes random numbers just don't go your way and you got to be okay with that that's why you can't take pokemon competition seriously well, there's too many random numbers you and gotta ignore with that it also does show a new level within the competition which is the ability to adapt like you know somebody can be doing well in a game mm -hmm. and then just for seemingly no reason, things start going to shit. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, and to recoup from that, like it gives you that swell. I've, I've which absolutely is seen that in in most varieties of competition. Like I definitely see that in melee. And Bowling, absolutely. I mean, yeah, maybe not. Man. But you think with things like tennis, <laughs> if you see your opponent is going for the 
you know, choking up on the the back line to stifle your serves, then you've got to start, you know, serving differently. Well, in any game that's fast enough or physical enough, you can, the organic component is absolutely present. And that's, again, I'm not disparaging, and StarCraft is the perfect analog for this. Yeah, I'm not disparaging StarCraft in that way. The organic I just, component is a person. <laughs> I just, I feel much better laughing about experiences I've had in Company of Heroes okay, than in that. StarCraft. Because you're able to laugh at it. It feels... No, you can laugh at a StarCraft II experience. It's just that those experiences in my... In, in the time that I have played it feel one of two ways. They are either incredibly neurotic or they're mean-spirited. <laughs> when you're laughing? Yes. Because you're laughing you are... Because you either, you either have that, yes, all the cogs came together, ha, 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 or it is... <laughs> Wow, what a piece of shit. I totally chumped that kid. <laughs> like, those are the two I forms of it. laugh I ever see in those games. Unless they get so stressful that you get the other form of laugh, which you get all the time in Company of Heroes, where it's like, fucking man, I don't even <laughs> know what's going on right now. Sure. And I love that. That that is the cha that's the chaos laugh that I the, the, adore that the game. The accepting for. laugh. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, Magic the Gathering is a fun analog. Yeah, acceptance this. is the right term. That's, <laughs> yeah, and Magic the Gathering is a great of example. Other games. Like you know, you, you you build your deck to be the best it can be, and you can outplay your opponent for ninety five percent of the match. But sometimes when they've got no cards in hand, they draw the top card of the top deck, and it's exactly what they need to win the game. And you and know you what? Beat your brother. Sometimes forget it. Sometimes you just lose. I can't beat the top deck bonfire. It just happens, <laughs> and you have to accept that. You've I've got to accept. <laughs> Variance is the example that um, players talk about, and it's what makes Magic interesting, is that if we were just playing and Rock, Paper, Scissors... And what made Hearthstone so popular when yeah. it came out. If we were just playing Rock, Paper, Scissors all the time, then the person who was best at Rock, Paper, Scissors would win every time. But if there's... Like, that might not be a great example. If we're playing tennis every time... The no, that's a great example. What are you talking about? The person who's best at tennis is just going to win every time. I and that... honestly didn't think he would rock seven times in a row. <laughs> fucking, what a the guy. The avalanche, What a man. fucking madman. The avalanche. <laughs> He's but, not going to do it this time. He's like, oh my god, it's another rock. <laughs> you but idiot, why'd you pick scissors at the same time? Variance is what makes that game so interesting. It's what makes Company of Heroes fun. Is that sometimes, you know, the game the, the game says yes. You know, the random number generator says, this is how this is what's going to happen in the next couple seconds. Mm -hmm. And whether you're good at adapting or not, sometimes it doesn't matter. Because sometimes it was like, if this tank shot hits, the game ends. If it misses, yeah, we'll keep going. But if it hits, the game's over. I think does a pretty good job of making sure that no one throw of the dice ends the game. No, of course, but there's there's been an, there's probably enough micro occasions. Yeah, with that happens. Twenty dice. Then. Yeah, it's like you just got two guys standing off, and if yours wins, then you're going to be able to capture the point, and the clock stops, and you don't lose anymore. But if your opponent's wins, like zero for zero, your two armies are just shooting at each other, and just one of them has to win. And I love that lack of control. Yeah, I am all about that lack of control. And that speaks a lot to your aversion to competition. I like my favorite, one of the things that has come up in, in Melee a lot recently is live streaming matches. Um, and that means that the matches are recorded. So obviously, after every single game I play, I go back and watch it because I want to see what I did right and what I did wrong. Especially the games that are close. Because the games that are not close aren't interesting. I probably just play the bread and butter correctly. I played my character as well as I could, and it worked out. But it's the ones where you're kind of negotiating and your the opponent's And the ethereal style. CPU actually, judge. I actually get a lot of satisfaction you. out of that, though. Like, things just unfolding the way they should. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've mentioned before, hexagon shape. Like, things just happening how they're supposed to. That gives me a certain comfort. 
Yeah, I've, I've definitely played out a scenario where I'm like, I'm going to do this, and this is exactly how he's going to react, and I'm going to counter that reaction with this. It's refreshing. And it's going to be perfect. Mm. I've had that moment. I'm like, if I hit him with this, he's going to drop to this spot where I'm going to be able to drop and just kill him. And as soon as that happens, it's, it's fantastic. It feels great. Like, that moment is good. And when you watch it later, you're like, you're watching by yourself, and then you nudge the imaginary person next to you, and you say, this part's good. <laughs> like and that is fantastic. And then similarly the opposite happens too. When like you're standing in place, when you're when you're watching something, and a great example is like in you can roll into an attack sometimes in Smash Brothers, and there's been examples where like one guy turned in the opposite direction and his opponent just rolled into the attack that he was charging. Mm -hmm. And that ended the match. And that moment where the guy who was sitting in his shield a critical mistake. not sure what to do, <laughs> rolled into the spot. He's gonna look back at that over and over and think, what was I thinking? Like, even, even knowing what he was thinking, he's going to think, there's no way I thought that was still the best course of action. I had a tenth of he a He was second. right on principle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, like, it's incredible. Like, those hard reads are fantastic for the person who nails them and are just, like, awful for the person who gets hit by I think them. that's also a really interesting thing. Because um, what, what David's, like, one of the last things that David said about Company of Heroes was that he likes, like, the chaos and that it's not, that there's a bit less involvement to it. So. Oh, the I have all the same moments Hav does, but for exactly the opposite reason. Hav's like, here's the good part. Check out how awesome this is. <laughs> Mine's like, dude, this is the good part. Look at how bullshit this is. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean, on the one Rock and strike on a guy, and he's totally fine. <laughs> like, it's... It's amazing. Like, that's appreciable from a... And uh, then, sorry. again, like, what are, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, but just, like, um, that's, that's the thing that I think... I didn't actually think of it as much, could play a really big factor, is not, it's not just, like, in terms of the mentality that you will get going into different competitions and, like, how that can influence your attitude towards just, like, your fellow competitors. It's not just how much time you can put into it, like, learning how to practice your character, mm -hmm. but it's how much involvement that you had in it because it's, like, you knew that you made all of the choices that led to your own demise. It's mm -hmm. that one person who knew that it was just his one role, that's what it was. Yeah. And it wasn't that anything random happened. It wasn't that one person, like, coughed and it distracted him for a second and he didn't even have the chance. Mm -hmm. It was all his choices. Right. And I, I mean, think it's it, interesting. It was all his choices. And then, of course, since this is competition, we're not going to take the, the, the personal fable effect here. We know that our opponent helped us get here. Mm -hmm. Our opponent helped us by putting us in the situation where every single time rolling in that direction was the correct decision. Except in this time, instead of being the correct decision, it was the only wrong decision. And and, and that's I think that's such an um, incredible part of the game, is that same adaptation that we were talking about. And that's what I love about Melee, is that there's so much... Uh, D1 said it a dozen times, is that... I'm sorry, Prague said it. It's jazz. I, that didn't fix... That wasn't clarifying <laughs> at all. Different, D1, different uh, player Prague. names, I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep thinking of their tags, because I forget Oh, I thought you names. were saying that D1... I thought you were going to say his real name then. Oh, no. I, I thought so, too. I don't remember either of their real names. <laughs> I um, mean, Steve. Yeah. Right. And it's like the game is just jazz. Like, every single game is different than the other ones. There's no combos that just work. There's, there's enough difference that happens that makes the combos unique every time. And that's such a, an interesting part of the game is that, like, every, the whole thing changes all the time, and then being able to adapt to those changes and those micro-changes across, you know, character matchups and player matchups, because the way I play Peach is different than the way Dylan plays Peach kind of thing. Like shit. Yeah, it's to say probably not very much at all. No one likes Peach. <laughs> but, I mean, even that, like, the way that people would fight us differently would be, is a huge part of the game, and you just got to go into every match thinking about that, and I think that's a cool aspect of it is... 
like that rush, you know, even if it's something as simple as as Melee or StarCraft. I say simple in the sense of they're not physically taxing, <laughs> but it's like they are mentally taxing. Like that's the difference between a friendly match and a tournament match. People the most, can't. The most physical competition we have in the room would probably be debate and tennis. <laughs> so yeah, tennis is pretty physical. Debate yeah. is debate is completely exhausting. You you finish a day of debating and you go to your bed and just die. But most of it's because you're sick of most talking. of it's mentally exhausting. Yeah. Like that. Uh, what I was saying was that the difference between a friendly match with your friends and a tournament match the is, pressure. That, is that there's pressure, and you during the tournament match you're all in. You want to win 100. percent In a friendly match, you might try some silly things. You don't really care if you win, and people like what's the word I'm looking for resent other players for doing that. They're like, don't sandbag me. Sandbag is when you you know you Just don't play around. your best against mm. somebody. Um, it's like you're fighting a sandbag instead of a person. Uh. And no one wants to be sandbagged because they don't feel like they're learning. But at the same time, no one can play 100% all the time because it's exhausting. Well, they, I'd imagine if they so truly... So stressful. Like, that's a good point of uh, the nature of competition is having a good nemesis or a rival to go up against. Oh, yeah. There's been uh, plenty of articles that you need three people to train against. You need the complete noob. Yeah. The person who's terrible at the game, so you can practice new stuff against so you can them laugh at to him. see if it works. No, so you can <laughs> practice new things yourself. and see if they work. Um, the person who's way better guy. than you, so they can kick your ass and show you your bad habits over and over and over again. And then your rival, the person who's on par with you, because as long as they keep moving up, then you keep moving up, because you always want to be about even with that person. And all of those are really important to competition building. Bliss, Blizzard disagrees. It thinks that you should only fight worthy opponents. Right, that's 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 <laughs> fine. Blizzard doesn't carry around 20-inch CRTs to tournaments over and over again. <laughs> they would if they had a game worth playing. <laughs> or a game that needed CRTs. Yeah, right. I mean, this podcast is definitely not sponsored 14, by Blizzard. Barely 14. Wow. Not yet. Um, After a burn like that, but yeah, that's that's a lot of what you're trying to get out of competition. And then you mentioned earlier is what what you sacrifice with competition is sometimes when you need to win, like you're gonna do something that's unsportsmanlike, whether yeah. it is talking smack or it is this particular like no one who doesn't play melee likes edge guarding. They think it's the, it's the dumbest thing in the world. If I get knocked off, just let me back on. Uh, competitive melee, more than half of the game is what's happening off of the stage. Uh, in uh, Dota, there's a character called Techies who's just a trap layer. Mm -hmm. He plays not like any other character, and he keeps getting buffed or nerfed in ways that make him broken or bad. But he's mostly regarded as kind of either a sandbaggy character or clearly you are not trying. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was once told to talk, stop talking such shit while playing as him, and I argued that that's his only good move. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, the frustration effect totally works. Like, when you, like, in Dota, for example, if you, if you sneak up and kill a guy who basically has no effect on the game anymore, that's, that's still demoralizing for his team and for him, because they're going to see that he died, and he's going to see that he died, and they're going to blame each other, and it just gets worse. It just spirals. Oh, yeah, no, I mean... What do you... Saying, saying, I, oh, one of the, uh, they have, uh, like, friendly recommendations at the bottom, like, uh, team tricks. You've seen mm. them maybe in Team Fortress 2, like, the if you press E, so da 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 um, A couple of them in Dota are, um, it's more fun to lose with a friendly team than win with a mean one. Mm -hmm. And you already are fighting five enemies, don't make any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, especially in team competition. That's actually, uh, we've been mostly talking about one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you said that you were on a team of debate. Does that mean that you guys, uh, like it's like three on three, two on two, uh, I'm, and you bounce I'm back off of each other? I'm currently in an event where you do uh, two on two. 
There, there are. There's an event where you do one on one, and there's one where you, there's a few where you do like three on three. But I'm in the two on two one right now. So how do you I've f- done the one on one though. How do you feel um, in a competitive sense when somebody on your side is doing something out of your control? Um, it's it's really funny because it could go one of like a couple of ways where like where like um a lot of the time that you spend not in rounds, especially at, like national competitions or really anyone, but it's just more obviously high stakes. A lot of the time that you spend not in a round debating against somebody is spent planning what you're going to say next time. And, like, kind of like, oh, well, this is the argument we ran into. So, like, we, so you just immediately start as soon as the round's over looking up responses to that. And you start looking up and thinking, what can we say to that when it comes up? How collaborative is the 2v2, 3v3 stuff? Um, I, I've never done a 3v3. I, as far as I know... Um, do, you, do you have independent responsibilities? Good yes, cop, yes, yes, bad cop, okay. and then backup heckler. Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> usually, what it is, is in the two on two is like because you do have to prepare one speech for every side, and you have to prepare research for both sides of whatever topic comes out. So usually, it divides us that one person handles the pro side, and one person are, um, handles the con side, and you know. So you deliberately you you guys. Don't you have, a yes have man, no to man. segment, but you do segment. Yeah. Okay. Because like, because like, what's the other option? Is just one person writes both of the cases, and then the other person has like well, no real investment in either. Well, there. I mean, there's a lot of mixture you could potentially do. You could there. both write both of the cases. You could the other idea. Yeah, you could have a devil's advocate in both camps. You could do. I, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of ways you could split that. But it seems like people just they pick a specialization. They pick this man is all yes. This man's all no. Or no, woman. no, no. It's just like um. Usually, what it is is you is when the topic will come out. Um, like for example, with me and my teammate, we kind of will discuss what we think about it, and if we already have like a particular leading or particular ideas, we'll take whatever side we have a leaning to. Oh yeah, no, I, I wasn't stuff like that. It's, I wasn't, it's not so, like it's I not mean, like yes, you're always the pro guy. You're always right. The, the format of it that. is that uh, in debate you have to argue both sides of the argument, so you have to have a pro case and a con case. Yeah, because well, that's that's what I was saying. Uh, so when I said all yes, person, all no, I was yeah, right. I just meant that someone someone yes, picks that's right. one, right? Okay. And then the other person kind of contributes, and they obviously critique it, and we critique each other's cases. See, well, I don't really like this, and this doesn't this doesn't have quite the impact that we need it to have. So either change it or just get a new, just get more impact to it to make it better. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the kind of critiquing comes in. But you do write one case for your, well, at least we do write one case for our side and then we just critique the other person's so okay. you don't have i mean i guess you don't have experience with the 3v3 so you don't have the fun version of this where there's a third wheel and you got to figure out what the hell they're gonna do got <laughs> i i would assume because like no you have teachers for that <laughs> the fun thing is is one of the events that you do um is called parliamentary debate and that's one of the 3v3 ones you don't write cases in that one because you don't actually get the topic until 30 minutes before your round starts. I was hoping you were, say, 30 minutes into talking, so it's just <laughs> a bunch of shooting shit. And then somebody's like, yeah, and what about the fucking Middle East? And then <laughs> basically, you already have the that, like, drops. Yeah, you have awesome that and yeah. shit gets serious. If you can imagine just the podcast we're having, and then some random adult just comes in and drops a piece of paper on the desk that just says, talk about this for 40 Fucking minutes. Greek yeah, banking crisis. Boom. <laughs> yeah, the but real... we were talking about Israel. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make it much more like a real debate. <laughs> that's why <laughs> I mean, that format is I mean, it's That's a fun aspect. Melee has a 2v2 segment, and... On the yeah. one hand, it comes to choosing your partner. Like, you have to trust your partner. You have to trust that your partner is good enough to do as well as they can. And not just that they're good independently on their own, but that they can work with you. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can definitely have a team that's just two good singles players, and they'll do well. Absolutely. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll even win. 
But most of the time, when you can see the teams that actually have synergy, how they bank on each other, it is they improve absolutely phenomenal the way that they cover each other's space. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff like they they barely even need to talk to each other sometimes because they know each other's styles to the point where they will say things oh, yeah, that they already know compliment each other. Yeah. And that's the thing that happens in debate too. Yeah, but like obviously so it's probably happens, and it's a lot. I more would imagine in all competition, mm-hmm. the yeah. idea of not only working with somebody on your level, but working with somebody with your mentality or yeah. who understands their faults and weaknesses and where you can help fill them in. Yeah, and you can have conversations about it during, too. You can talk to your teammate during a lot of competitions. Like in tennis, I'm sure it's like, you know, you're you're in the middle of it and you turn back and say, hey, scoot up on these particular swings or something. And even those like micro occasions, like in melee, I'll say stuff like save when I'm falling off the ledge and I want my partner to save me or finish when I'm grabbing a partner and I want my partner to kill them yeah. it's like there's just just one or two word phrases that it's like in case you weren't watching because there's a lot going on yeah. in a 2v2 there's a lot of chaos uh, so you have to be watching the whole screen there's a uh, professional dota player who uh, does teaching uh, episodes on mm. youtube called purge and in one of his most recent videos i took interest to something he said where he made a mistake and went far too deep alone uh, and made the comment that if him and the person he were trying to collaborate this certain move with were on the same level, they wouldn't have to talk to each other, and then reminded himself, just because somebody's not on your level necessarily doesn't mean that they can't assist you, mm-hmm. and that communication is key in that regard. That even if somebody... I mean, if you had a teammate who wasn't as good, but were able to make at least your performance better, mm-hmm. if there's a leader in the 2v2 or a 1v5. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some, some, I, I've definitely teamed with people who are superior to me and people who are inferior to people me. People who do better as a support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some people are great as support and some people are, are great as spearheads. And yeah. frankly, those are, those are two really important aspects of, of teaming. And sometimes you can just have two aggro people just like do their own thing and it happens to line up. But yeah, and it's a lot just... more fun to watch one person control a lot of space and the other person do all the aggression. There's And it, it's really fluid. It's really interesting to watch the players who know what the other one's doing and what their role is in a particular situation. And I've definitely seen some matches where one player was literally just standing still. He might have been scratching his nose with both hands. <laughs> but that was all that he needed to do so his partner could control the space that he was controlling. And that's that's just synergy right there. That's yeah. you know what your role is in this situation. And you have to trust that your partner's going to do the rest. Because if they do, awesome. That's what you expected. If they don't, it's like, well, that was awkward. And maybe we'll talk about it later. But more relevantly, the game's still going and we have to worry about this now. So there, there's that's that's another fun one to competition is... And the most frustrating thing is having a player on your team who's just not objectively hindering you. <laughs> Almost uh, purposefully sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a 5v5 game. Don't... It doesn't have to be 5v4v1. This, yeah. is the, this is the worst 3v1 in 2v2 history. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to have those situations. You want your team to be on the same team. Yeah. And for people who take competition into the egotistical or promotional sense, uh, working on teams is borderline dangerous because that person that they blame is with you. Yeah, like, absolutely. They're supposed to be on your side. Uh, you know, that can tear a team apart. Um, that's that's one of the animosities that I've never seen in Melee, and I'm not sure why. Whenever one person, like, obviously loses it for the other team, like, I just, I don't see their teammate, like, really? get disappointed very often. Like, I don't know if it's just the experiences that I've had. I assume most doubles partners are friends. Right. That's that's probably true. It's a lot easier to accidentally not be friends with everyone on your Dota team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I mean, you basically don't like them immediately anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. oh, you and, and we already talked about the idea of debate being longer and that making indecision yeah. frustrating. Investment. Dota games right, right, right. are also oh, 45 yeah, so, minutes plus. Yeah, that's, so, that's, you know. that's the difficult part to get over on Dota is that they're quite the investment. Or just the, and that's why I haven't been playing so much lately, is ever since I stopped, I realized that I just kept, ha uh, I quit having these lows throughout my week where I would feel helpless because of a loss, because my team did bad, but because maybe I didn't perform my best either, mm. and because of the time investment, it just was a huge emotional slug mm -hmm. to my whole day. Yeah, and, and that's... having those losses over and over, or even having a win after that, that you know feels like maybe you got sandbagged. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we won it, but was it worth? It? Yeah, yeah, was it worth the it? The time didn't feel great. Uh, that's that's definitely one of the other sacrifices is the amount of time. I think that, you that spend only in happens something. in team sports, though. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not where you're part of something that mm -hmm. is larger, and you're not maybe not able to address what cog is jammed mm -hmm. so you just kind of assume it's you or worse you get mad because you blame it on somebody else mm -hmm. and that's why i've been uh, sticking clear of mobas lately is i was tired of uh that emotional burden because mm -hmm. um, even if i win um if i played a bad game where we won and i didn't do the best i feel kind of bummer but hey at least we won right if i did the game myself i would get mad at the other team because i had to do all that shit myself Mm -hmm. um, so there are just way too many negative emotions right. attached to Winning that wrong, type of team losing sport. it all, it's, that's too many negatives to the positive. Yeah. What drug did you replace it with? Uh, it's more work. Yeah, no, <laughs> I've just been Heroin. trying to do more projects at least. Or just actual work. That's not a thing you can do. What kind of projects were you doing? Well, I got the papyrus back. I was doing uh, pro latex prosthetics, which I hadn't done before. I've been watching a lot of tutorials, at least on how to start new projects. I've been working on uh, promotion online by just posting things, which I'm not very good at. <laughs> Turns out being... They don't teach you that in art school until it's yeah. too late. It, oh, man, the whole... How to market yourself online, even as a, you know, a millennial-type person, I don't like that activity. It feels... So, it's just such a hassle. Well, that's all right. There's no money in it anyway. It, so. There's tons of money in marketing. Yeah. I mean, people pay... I can see why people pay others to do it now. Fucking, <laughs> it's a hassle. Yeah. Just engaging with people, staying on top of it, making sure something's coming out, making sure it's the right thing. <laughs> like, I'm only dabbling in it by addressing it sometimes. Like, hey, I'll put out three pictures, you know, these two days or... We have a very, very low opinion of middlemen that I think is going to turn around in the next five years. Well, we've been trying to... There's been a holocaust of middlemen since yeah. the 1950s. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming, and it's going to turn out that those people are there for a reason. Yeah, so, it's because doing everything yourself is really shitty. Can I ask you something odd about Dota? Have you ever played a Dota and just... Played a game and just not cared <laughs> if you won? Played a Dota. Oh, yeah, no, those are the best. And... You know, I find that difficult. You kind of want to do it with friends, though, just so that you know you're not the emotional burden for right, someone right, else. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, playing playing with friends is great, because then you don't have to give a shit at all. I find that disconnect hard. I find the more invested I become in something competitively, the more difficult it is to disconnect myself from the competitive nature of it. And I think that's where me and David come in. Welcome like, we to Company of Heroes too. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of <laughs> like the... 
leaving that, oh, leaving a bit of it up to fate. That that game because then you forces you that game forces you to let go um, in what I consider to be a very healthy way. Yeah, because then a win feels almost not just as a personal investment. It becomes of more of a game. Like it be, it becomes it. You feel like you've been granted something. Like. It's, it's like it's not just winning; it's being given a reward. Right. It's and that's that's a fun uh, um, dichotomy is the the difference between a good sport and a bad sport. Mm. And a bad sport cares about the end of the game. Like that's as far as I'm concerned, the only relevant difference. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a variant on my my. I have a really really simple definition for whether a game is good or not is whether it's fun to lose. No. Well, it's that I I I mean okay I can see that like it's just it's that simple it is so easy to make it fun to win mm-hmm. like that is right, absolutely of course. It's true gratifying yeah so yeah first that's what made TF two so good for so long was yeah. that TF two was entertaining to play whether you were winning or not if you were getting stomped it was one thing yeah but it was stomps are always but when you spend more time dead than playing you're right it's yeah but but the number of avenues that were available to you to TF, in TF two to just try to uh, nudge things along mm-hmm. even if you didn't know everybody on your team. It made the game a lot of fun until they introduced hats. Yeah. Uh, and what made that more tolerable is the length of time and investment. And the thing that makes Dota so terrible is you are punished for just leaving you if things stop are going. Playing the game. You, yeah, like incur. Like when you see that things are irreversibly wrong, like you are going to lose, and the enemy team can't win faster if you tried. That's when you know. I'm, I have to be at work in 30 minutes. It's going to it's gonna take 20 minutes to even do this. But that's a deliberate game mechanic because that also allows for comebacks and stories that the game wouldn't have otherwise because you couldn't be as invested in what's going on. Yeah, that's that's the pluses and minuses. Is um, Heroes of New Earth is a variant on Dota, and it has a it 15 and 25 minute Dota 1.5. Yeah, it has a 15 and 20 minute concede option. At 15 minutes, your team can unanimously concede. If you are getting uber stomped and you don't think you're going to make it back, your team can unanimously concede. At 25 minutes, your team can 4 out of 5. It's a 5v5 game, so if 4 of the people on your team concede, then the game ends, and you can leave. Dota doesn't yeah. have that mechanic, and like David said, it allows more moments like the comeback, which on the one hand is awesome when it does work and when it happens in competitive it's play. It's great PR. It's mm. great PR for the game. Right, yeah. but the problem is that that, never, that doesn't happen in non-competitive... It, that doesn't happen in competitive play. I mean, there's... Is that when the game is lost in competitive play... You can throw in the towel and the game ends. Yeah. You can they, turn to your they, opponent and say, good game, let's go. They've reversed it. They don't waste the professional's time. Yeah, it's a, and the the people who are just playing casually, they just have to sit through the next, you know, yeah, 10, you can, 20 minutes. You can play a public... tower is very slowly falling. I, you can I'm play... not about to imply that that's not exactly the way Valve wants of it. Of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> they've got able... a professional scene that they themselves are propping up, mm. tent pole to yeah. ground, so... So I weird just, for me. It's weird because you can have public matches where, you know, nothing's really at stake. And then they have matchmaking rankings where you increase in rank. And I feel like those shouldn't have, you know, the concede option. But if I'm just, you know, quote, unquote, playing for fun. Mm. Because if you, fuck off. if you do yeah, leave a I game guess. early, you, you're obviously the game doesn't like have a don't leave option. It's just if you do leave a game early too frequently, you get placed in a pool of people who leave the game too frequently. And that dramatically decreases. And they if... also assign you servers that aren't working as hard. Right, or... yeah, exactly. You get, you know, further back and so there there's there's negatives to leaving. Obviously, you can turn your computer off. And or worse, people who are trying to lose. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, that that sacrifice I thought is fun is that it's really difficult for me to play melee and disconnect myself from 
the competitive nature. I've done it a couple of times. I've played with someone who was basically new to the game, and we had a close match. And afterwards, he's like, man, that was a good game. I'm like, thanks. Aww. Even though I, like, I knew myself. Like, I had to, like, actively stop myself from playing the game harder. But as soon as you, like, you're just playing with your buddies, and your buddies also happen to be about as good as you are, it's really hard for me not to want to win every game. I mean, in uh, high school, I played you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played it. I games. basically well. never won. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I... Even in team matches, I don't think I was ever on a team that won. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still had fun. I, I liked the challenge. Mm-hmm. I liked seeing, you know, new... Tra- I, was, I liked the development of learning. And I'm sure I was fun to pick around on. Right. <laughs> I entered a Smash tournament at SCAD. They only had one. Uh, they had one for Brawl and mm-hmm. one for Melee. And, again, my strongest power is just talking mad trash. <laughs> so I go in with all of this hype behind me. And then totally flub it, get out of my first two matches, and then I just hang around. Oh man, my fa- for me, one of the most satisfying things, other than just playing a tight match and you know winning, is going in, talking smack against someone, and losing. I think it is oh, so it's... funny when that happens every single time, and I and love I mean, to do it. And everything where I'm not, and everything where I'm not competitively invested, like the in trivia, stay mad. when I'm playing Company of Heroes, when I'm playing literally anything other than melee and magic, I love to talk smack and then lose. It is so much fun. Yeah. Just because everyone gets to see. It's like, there's, oh, well, that's... that's no harm, no foul to that. Yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. that's how I play card games of all types. I'm, right. I am I talk as big yeah. a game I pretend I'm the best at everything, and then when I lose, possible. all I can do is pretend to be sheepish, even though I kind yeah. of expected it the whole My time. My first time playing Street Fighter Four was at a pre-release tournament that they had as a promotion for the game. Mm-hmm. And I go up, and I'm like, man, none of you can stop me. I'm basically unstoppable. Just give me that headband <laughs> now. Might as well be Jay Wong. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to cut you a deal. I'm going to be fair. I'm a random. And then it randoms to Guile, and I've never played the game, so it's basic. <laughs> it's irrelevant to me, and I'm like, oh, no, he gave me my boy. <laughs> and, you know, then I don't know how to block. And just... Guile's a charge character, and if you don't know that, yeah, you I don't, not move anything I don't understand forward. any of the mechanics, right. and I'm just, like, quietly apologizing the whole match, and then I'm just, I shake his hand quietly, and then just leave. <laughs> it was pretty fun. <laughs> I don't think I've quite ever taken it that far, <laughs> but no, that was my favorite. <laughs> I, I mean, like I like to diffuse that tournament scene. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to bring the humility back to it. But that because... has to be one of the, like the really fun thing, really fun things for competitions, is when like you purposely set yourself up like in that like in that way that you were saying, mm-hmm. and then you lose because like the other person feels great about it for a second because at least it's like yeah, shut you up for your bragging even though none mm-hmm. of it was real. Well, people like to see the bad guy lose. So yeah. if you. If you be kind of a jokester bad guy, you know, yeah, it's, everybody has a good It's really life. awkward when you happen to win that match because you have to be, like, the best version of polite. And you're like, hey, man, that was a really great match. I really appreciate that. And when you move on to your next one, you talk smack about the next yeah, guy. No, you, talk, like, ignore the last one happening because smack your, your winning was irrelevant. Strictly for pregame. Yeah, exactly. You never talk smack afterwards. That makes you a huge asshole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the difference between the players that are interesting to hang out with and the ones that are uninteresting yeah. to hang out with. Alberto, <laughs> is there... A version of a Hail Mary in debate. <laughs> where it just And look at where, that guy's hat. <laughs> where the chips the chips are just so stacked. The chips are so stacked and you just you know, you just gotta try something different. Close your try eyes something and creative. Fire. It's okay. I haven't had any of those moments personally, unfortunately, but I have heard of moments where like I, I don't know if it's that the winning team is just getting insanely overconfident in their abilities that they're the ones who'll start something crazy <laughs> first 
and then like whatever team whatever person i'm talking to just exploits it hardcore into this awful horrible thing and the judge goes like you know you really had me until this point and then they turned it around <laughs> because like that's that's what every single like debater who knows who like knows how the rounds go will tell you is that the rounds are basically won and lost in the last two speeches <laughs> in the last two speeches given if you basketball. can if you can come just back just like that's real it. debate just like real basketball it's just it's very funny but that actually like it's not likely to happen ever but when it does happen it's just really funny because it's usually not the person who, who's losing that needs the Hail Mary. It's just the person who's winning goes, I could probably bring up this point about slavery. It's height. <laughs> I just like the idea of a guy talking smack in debate. I think that's a, I think that's a great angle, and you should exploit it at Princeton. Do there, I, I, I mean, I, you, you still need to ask someone to back that F up. I mean, this guy looks like a Holocaust denier. Am I right? <laughs> you just look around the room awkwardly, and when no one smiles, you just leave. Thank and you then, for your time. That's the perfect one, because then they have to defend believing in the Holocaust, which is a terrible don't, stance don't, to take. Don't. <laughs> don't. It, it's the no, per- no. That's the Hail Mary right no, there. But like, but, but it is you get them talking <laughs> way about just the most uncomfortable thing in a positive context, like they're oh. done. I don't. I don't think they would have to refute it. No, I think they could ignore you here. <laughs> it's, probably... it's, it's funny because like some, I mean, that's, sometimes. But it would work if you were the last person to go, Dylan. That's why I was sorry. trying to motion against that. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the most fun things that I've seen a lot of people do and heard of a lot of people doing, and I think I've done at least once myself, is like it's it's a lot easier to do when you're in the two v two event. Because you can just talk to your partner. It doesn't have to be that you're trash-talking your opponent. You can trash-talk them kind of indirectly. Because what will end up happening mostly at national tournaments is that, like, they don't have all the rounds at once. They'll have it, like, two flighted, so there'll be, like, flight A. They go first, and then, like, 45 minutes later, flight B starts. And so if you're in flight B, you just have to wait for the first round to end because that room is being occupied by the first group of debaters. And so what will happen a lot of times is you'll just have moments where you're just sitting next to your opponents, basically, just waiting for the door to open and for you guys to go in. Mm-hmm. And so there's fun stuff you can do where you just start telling your partner, like, you know, do you have, like, this card? And, like, you know, oh, my God, we finally caught this. This is, like, the best thing. Or you thing. just deck them <laughs> right there. So they go up with a black eye. <laughs> just give them I a just got the text that my cat died. Or you give, <laughs> oh, or give, you give your and a partner a black eye and blame it on the other team <laughs> and get them disqualified. That seems difficult. See, this is, this is where you pull the organic side of it back in. You get the judges on your side because the other team, clearly a bunch of assholes that's, that don't deserve that's to win. That's the, the, diff, the most difficult part, I think, about the debate meta is that each judge is unique and there's there's no way to know that before a round and you can't tailor your argument in any way. It's apples to apples, it, man. You, can. you gotta you gotta gauge the Taylor. room. You gotta Actually you kinda can. There there are a lot of judges, like legit at national tournaments, who put up paradigms mm-hmm. and they will just say, This is these are the things I look for in a round. Do this and you win. Oh wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Some judges will do that. It's only the judges who know what they're doing. Like parent judges, judges like who, who that we lovingly refer to as mommy judges. Obviously, don't do that. Like, so they are pretty random. You just have to kind of assume you don't, you don't go super like numbers heavy. You just say like, think of the children, judge, and they're like, oh, I have kids. So the difference in judges and debate is that some judges are like in the debate circuit for the school, and then some of the judges are parent volunteers, right? Yeah. All right. All right. So that sounds so fair. I've been doing some (laughs) research on one of the judges. They got two kids. Things are a little rocky in the marriage right now. (laughs) 
So I'm gonna try to bring up the family unit <laughs> and overcoming tragedy. That's that's literally exactly the research yeah. I was talking about. But there's and too many judges. I think it's impossible. <laughs> I like the idea, but I think it's you just impossible. start. That's talking why you gotta secure what you can. Oh my god, my parents just got a divorce. They call it <laughs> discovery they for a reason. Me. <laughs> Who does that? Terrible parents. <laughs> but BT does. Me and Dad definitely don't. I know that you don't know anything about this. You're a great person. You probably don't know anything about this experience. <laughs> but that's sort that's, of. I mean, that's even a fun next level version of metagaming is when you're not even just playing the game effectively. You're. You're playing. I like people. playing the outside of the game just as yeah, much. Yeah, you're playing people effectively, and you're that... banging the judge. <laughs> a so dramatic example, but for Only me, it's, it's really like I mean, in, in tennis, for example, it's the grunting that some players don't like, mm. or it's like the flashy shots that some players will go for um, that just work out. So that's like it's it's almost mental warfare at that point. Like, when you go for an extra cheesy kill, it's like, oh, he's already dead, but I'm going to go for this, like, humiliation kill. Like, you have a time limit for how much you can celebrate after a touchdown in football, right? Yep. yep. Like, that is And so... in college, it's about zero seconds. Yeah, it's roughly zero seconds. Uh, yeah. Shout out to the University of Miami. Yeah, like, that's that's a harsh meta stipulation that mm -hmm. is completely outside of the game. It is only to affect the other team or to psych yourself up. Right. And, I mean, it's, it's fun because you can get your bystanders, your friends in the audience cheering for and against you. And you don't see it as much in, in top-level play, at least in Melee, because usually everyone's, like, respectful of the top players because they want to see what happens. But in Locals, when, like, your buddy is doing well, and I have this, this great example of, of Patrick, my, my good friend. Uh, we went to a tournament once, and he was just smack-talking my opponent the whole game <laughs> long. And it was hilarious. Like, I was being super pleasant with the guy. And I know Patrick's, like, not actually a mean person. But it was funny to just, like, hear my opponent just get obviously flustered at, at Patrick reaming him. And, like, later Patrick has a match, and he's just super cordial with his opponent. Like, it's... it's <laughs> It's just, this was not premeditated between the two of us. It's just really funny to, like, say, oh, my God, how'd you get hit by that? You're so bad. Like, it's so fun to, like, even, wow. like, it works for some people, and it doesn't work for other people. Like, some people just get bugged by what other people are saying. Are cheerleaders cheating in the meta? Yeah. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Uh, coaching and cheerleading. It's not really That's... cheating, but, like, it's... But, I mean, within the context of, like, playing the outer game to affect the inner game, isn't, br isn't like, having a hype man kind yes. of... What's, yeah. That's called home field advantage. It's a very it's, real Right. It's, it's, it's the reason why people, why players don't like playing in SoCal in Melee, is because SoCal Melee is, is ruthless, and they just, they hate on everybody. That's from outside of their region. And it is really funny to listen to. And it is fun to watch the, the underdogs overcome it. But I don't know. I feel like that's, it's even more interesting when you're at home and you just have two opposing hype men <laughs> just shouting at each other. Like, I can't take the game seriously anymore when that happens. When, as soon as somebody starts cheering for me, they're like, get him, Hav. I like I'm just them. like, oh, it's over. I can't, I can't take this seriously anymore. I'm not just playing against my opponent. I'm playing to either satisfy or dissatisfy Matt Keep, who's standing behind me and cheering for me now. So I think that's, um, like, we, like we brought up at the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, how the story mm -hmm. is as interesting. I think that's what, at least for me, I appreciate more, is the story around competition. Competition is just the stage upon which an interesting thing can happen. Right, right, right. And that's from the audience perspective yeah. as opposed to from the uh, the competitor's perspective. Yeah, I'm more of a spectator of competition than a participant. Then um, why don't you like the Dota tool thing where you can't concede? I mean, when I'm playing, I like I do right. both. When he's a competitor... People like, who watch football, I would assume, have played it <clears throat> at some point. Football's not Even a good example. Should footballers be able to concede? 
Yeah, I think they should. They be absolutely do. No, I think most sports they do. Should There's be a able certain to point where you're far enough behind. Quit that, wasting everyone's time. That each of you, not not like strictly conceding, but like your team starts throwing in their second and third strings, just so that the first string doesn't get injured. Like mm-hmm. you've effectively conceded the game. No, 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 I want full-on concession. I don't think so, because you can't sell tickets to those games. They do that in baseball, I thought. Mercy rule? I don't know if that's actually a thing, but I've heard, I'm pretty like, sure. It was not like at the double-A level. If you're up 10 to 0. Yeah, I watched a game that ended something like 30 to 1, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it had to be once you hit a score of 19 to 0 Can- is when they allow for concession. I don't remember strictly what... The, I don't watch fucking baseball. Talk about competition that nobody wants to enjoy. There's way too much downtime in that game. What? Yeah, because huh? it's a game about chillaxing, man. And then every once in a while... But there's... Woo! Yeah, there's... <laughs> that's all you need. It's not even an exciting meta, though. That's like, all... there's no... There... Okay, there are so many people... There's a lot of it, it's just not exciting. There's a shit... Like, it... Baseball has its own term... For its statistics. What? It's called sabermetrics. That's a really awesome word. Yeah, it is. To describe a really unawesome <laughs> practice. But no, in baseball... You I can don't watch, doubt that it has it. You can watch the numbers fly by in baseball. A lot of people do. Hmm. Not my deal, but... <sighs> of course not. You're not 90 years old. Like <laughs> Russ Roberts. Yeah, that's just the... That's the centurion... Level mm-hmm. of entertainment of watching, just being at an event yeah. <laughs> was what did it for you. It's historical at this point. Yeah. Alberto, have you ever been to a baseball game? I've not. I've not. Uh, the only Shit, actual man. like sports games I've been to have been basketball games. Hockey games are fun. We haven't covered spectation at this point when we're talking about. There has to be a shorter version of that word, and it's not spection. Watching sports. We haven't mm-hmm. talked about watching sports yet. We've only talked about the competitive side of being in sports and granted i can't contribute to this either because i don't watch anything competitive either i don't think i don't but you don't watch anything either like hobby uh like i i've tried watching some of the like final rounds of debates and they're so horribly uninteresting to me i've fallen asleep during a lot of them i think participating i don't i can't watch them i think participation builds a context for spectating i mean i've played dota to know what things i'm looking for to be excited about um, and, you know, with anything. Yeah, it's you, you get to kind of appreciate more what's like what's impressive, what was difficult. It's kind of fun to see. Like, I'll freak out at micro uh, interactions in Melee, how they'll be like, this particular moment that didn't look exciting, like no one died, no one got hit by a huge combo, but something happened that was just dope as hell from anyone who knows exactly what was going on between the two players. It's like, there was this it, spacing, he could have punished, he decided to do this, that tells this guy a lot about how he acts, and it's like this huge situation. I have like... I've, like, flipped out over these tiny moments that looked like nothing, and that's because I play the game. It's because I'm familiar with what happens, what could have happened. It just builds but, a breadth of yeah. experience. But do you mm-hmm. spectate any other sports that you don't play? Um, I I spectate a little bit of tennis, but I guess I technically play a little bit of tennis. Um, as far as that I actually don't play, I don't know, I don't... I don't think so. Like, I'm pretty sure most of the people that watch football don't play it. No, that's probably true. Uh, just but because, they like, have. I mean, f- the problem with football is that it's kind of an investment. You need a lot of players to play football. Yeah. You need at least six. Honestly. A lot of sponsorships. I don't, I don't yeah. think you can play with just two players. You definitely can't play with just two players because you're just playing catch. Oh, that'd be I mean, sick if it had two players. <laughs> you, I mean, you can't I even mean, really play with four. You with, probably need more. With compulsory schooling, I'd imagine that having a team there, like, mm-hmm. in 
anybody who has to take any physical recreation has probably had to engage in some level of sport. Okay, in that sense, I can see that they've like, like team sport interacted with it before, but not at a relevant level. You think of the millions of people who go to every football game. I don't think very many of them did much more than team sports. Ben, or go to school. Yeah. Ben's never played football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Ben watches football. Hmm. I don't think Ben's ever played hockey either, other than maybe like street hockey back in you know rollerblade days. Yeah. So those were the days. Yeah, no, it's but no one around this table, so we have a totally unrepresentative sample here. No one watches a sport they don't play. Not relevantly. Right like, I'll watch football specifically if, you know, UF is playing because it's my alma mater, but otherwise hmm. I'm not, I'm not honestly very invested in the game. Yeah, my, I barely even watch sports that I play. <laughs> my younger brother uh, plays football, and of course it's on all the time. And I've had to be instructed on certain subtleties or you know, player narratives, uh, just, you know, nuances of the game that I just wouldn't have noticed from the outside. And for the most part, it's a play versus play competition, much like in StarCraft. Mm -hmm. There are two ways that something can go out and you're just pitting those two ideas against each other and seeing how they unravel mm -hmm. or adapt, which is exciting, but there's... Well, but a that's sentiment. the thing. You have no, yeah. You, yeah. You have. No, I have no sentimentality towards it. You've got it no either. in on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely watch sports that if I go to a social gathering and they happen to be watching, you know, the NCAA, you know, NCAA championship tournament. You know, it's like March Madness. If people are watching that at you know Patrick's house or at Mitchell's house, like yeah, sure, I'll, I'll tune in because I can appreciate the sport. But yeah. it's not like I've played a lot of yeah. basketball or football. Yeah, but that or UFC. Not a whole lot of people just beat the shit yeah, out of each other. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. People love UFC. Usually when they do, they get arrested. Uh, but yeah. a lot of people fantasize about it. There's yeah. um Fair. About how good they would be at that. Well, no. We I just, could beat that guy. We need, he can't punch like me. We need to get a sports correspondent in here. We'll get Mitch here later. Yeah, we got yeah, one of those. Mitch? Well, because he was here yesterday. Oh, yeah. Recording the most sh It is going to take me so long to edit the podcast. Rough. <laughs> It, um, you'll understand when you hear it. Okay. It was, um, a little short time. Okay. We have more than enough. All right. So. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, I think we've, we've covered, covered a lot of it. A lot of the relevant parts that I wanted to hit, definitely. We covered all the stuff we can, at least. We, we covered the being in it. Right, yeah. And then, yeah, I think, I think we covered most of the stuff that I was talking about, so I'm, I'm glad. It's probably going to be an interesting podcast. I'll all listen right. to it. Almost definitely. I'm so, in. we're giving our... Five sentence summaries. Um, sentence? No, word. Five words. words. All right. You need to yell five words that have something to do with what we're talking about. You can go six if it's hyphenated. <laughs> Talk shit to fucking win. <laughs> Sacrifice. Approach. Rewards. That's what you're going for. Can I take those two words that I didn't use? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Seven words. Just have fun with it, man. <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay, you don't have to use the words. I did. I'm just gonna edit yours so it's only shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Have, it's just like, it's like shit. just make it sound really choppy. Have fun, shit. <laughs> have fun, shit. Have fun, shit. What do you think, Dave? What? Smash 4, right, guys? And That'll that, be my fourth word. If you think you've got what it takes to be the best, send your entry fee of $20 in a self-addressed stamped envelope to actualgarbage.net at gmail.com. Otherwise, get banned, son. Tournament rules and bracket information is available at actualgarbage.net. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.